Hello and welcome to What's Happening. Listening with me, Miles Atkinson from Google UK, as we dive into the key conversations within the app industry. If you've missed any of our previous episodes, we're covering everything you need to know in order to win on apps, so be sure to go back and check them out. Today, we'll discuss measuring the performance of your app uh, marketing investment, which is obviously key if you're going to be successful in that business. We like to bring in experts from the industry to guide us, and today is absolutely no different. We have a real leader in the measurement space, Aaron Friedman, founder and CTO of Singular, a marketing intelligent platform for apps used by the likes of Nike and Microsoft. Juniper Research recognized Aaron as one of advertising's movers and shakers in digital handling fraud and AI, which gives us an insight into what Singular brings to the app industry. Aaron, thanks for joining us today. Of course. Thank you, Maz. Really excited to be here and to share all the insights we have from Singular. Okay, so if you've listened in to any of our previous uh, podcasts, you will know that we like to get a little bit of insight into you and understand what is your favorite app. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So my favorite app, uh, there are so many, um, but uh, I think uh, one of my recently discovered uh, really cool apps that I've started using recently is an app called WordTune. So uh, it's very connected to the whole kind of chat GPT and generative AI trend these days uh, that you might have heard about. And uh, it's a really, really cool app. Uh, They have like this uh, mobile app uh, that you can install and it basically provides you recommendations to uh, update any of your phrasing or text while you're basically typing and using any of your apps in general. So imagine that you're kind of writing an email and not sure exactly how to uh, phrase what you're trying to say. So they provide kind of like simple suggestions on how to phrase it based on kind of the sentiment of what you're trying to convey. Uh, so I find it really extremely useful, you know, uh, as one who's constantly kind of in emails and notes and uh, documents. And uh, yeah, that would be uh, my recommended app. That is a very left field app. We usually <laughs> have, you know, just the big ones. You know, we've had a Netflix, you know, we've had all the normal ones, but that is very left field. But I, I think that solves for a very like specific business case, right? There are people that I still see in the office today, senior people who spend hours poring over whether they've got their email right. Uh, I, I'm the kind of guy that scripts it once, doesn't even check it and sends it. Um, so I feel like it could probably help me, but it could probably help those that are more cautious as well, but also probably fraught with danger. And if it, <laughs> if it gets it wrong. Uh, yep. No, you know. but it's, you know, extremely useful. And I'm always like in the look for like productivity and kind of utility tools. So, uh, uh, so this was, one of my recent favorites. Uh, and I'm always kind of in the apps or looking kind of at the top trends and all. So, uh, yeah, um, that would be uh, that would be it. There we go. I'll probably check one out, that one out myself. <laughs> so we're here to talk about measurement and making sure that uh, your investment in your, in your app goes as far as it can. Uh, so what is the biggest challenge facing measurement of apps today? Right. Uh, that's a big question. Um, I would say, uh, so, you know, kind of a bit of like a background on Singular. So we're a measurement uh, platform uh, for app developers and really any consumer businesses. I think you've mentioned kind of Nike and Microsoft is one of some of our customers. So our focus is always to provide measurement on the effectiveness of your marketing campaigns. So imagine any marketer of uh, kind of a standard consumer app, they're running campaigns with various media channels. Some of these have also like social campaigns. Some of these are search uh, and trying to kind of optimize constantly their creatives, their keywords. 
uh, at the end of the day, they want to understand how are the results that they're getting from the media spend, the budgets that they're actually trying to operate. Um, so our goal and kind of what everyone is discussing these days and kind of how to measure your performance there, how many app installs you got from your campaigns. What did the users who installed the app actually did in your, in your apps? Did they actually make a purchase? How much was that purchase? Whether you had a positive ROI, a return on investment on your media budget. All of that ties to kind of app marketing measurements. And now to tie it to kind of your question, so what's the big challenge out there today? Where the number one topic that everyone is talking about is the privacy changes that are happening in the mobile industry and really like across the board. Like uh, we see it, uh, you know, it started kind of from the website with the talks about the deprecation of third-party cookies and intelligent tracking prevention. But then on mobile, I think the the most dramatic event was when Apple announced what they call the app tracking transparency uh, framework that was about two years ago with iOS 14. Maybe some of you have already heard about it. And they basically kind of changed the entire ecosystem with putting uh, a bigger focus on protecting users' privacy from tracking and providing alternative frameworks to measure users anonymously or in an aggregated basis. Um, so that was definitely a huge shift in the market. It already started from two years ago. Then Google announced their own kind of plans in the market with what they call the Android Privacy Sandbox. So kind of similar concepts around protecting the user privacy, but still enabling aggregated anonymized measurement for marketing campaigns. Um, I would say kind of adjusting to that new um, industry and new methodologies really, a new mindset even, uh, has been probably the biggest challenge that uh, advertisers have been facing on like, measuring their performance. So this kind of movement towards uh, privacy effectively and, and kind of taking away some of that individual identifier is, is essentially the, the, the challenge that people are facing is what is, is the biggest challenge you would say. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. It's the number one topic that everyone is uh, talking about, talked about in 2022 and also in 2023. Uh, and there are also new tools and new frameworks coming up, new changes throughout there. There's a lot of developments in the industry these days, kind of new new versions of frameworks coming out. There's some trends around, uh, again, you might have heard of SK Network version 4, which is kind of the latest version of one of the privacy frameworks out there. Google just released, just a few weeks ago, they released the beta, first beta on Android for Privacy Sandbox. So, you know, as a technology provider, it's uh, very exciting times for us. It's new frameworks, new APIs to kind of play around with and build tools for marketers to better measure their campaigns, basically. Yeah, and I guess this, this is kind of a significant level of disruption, right? Um, so if we went from like individual identifiers to kind of broad identifiers and, and kind of aggregation, and in disruption, there's opportunity. Right? Exactly. So exactly. Some some people are going to win and some people are going to lose. And hopefully, if you're listening to this podcast, you're going to win, right? Because we've got you here to tell us how to how to navigate. For sure. <laughs> so, what has been the impact of the change on the app industry? Yep. So, uh, okay. So let's talk about like the so what was the actual change behind like the high level kind of speed. So. Both Apple and now Google also are transitioning from exactly what you said, from device identifiers that enabled tracking specific devices and understanding whether a specific user, let's say, saw an ad in a specific network 
clicked on it, then kind of opened the app and did kind of actions on it. So it's measurement per user um, and kind of transitioned from this to relying only on anonymous aggregated information. And like you mentioned, it was a huge change in the industry and it's completely different from what everyone is used to. And that's what already happened kind of, I guess, that kicked off about two years ago. Um, with that, kind of new frameworks came up uh, in iOS, for example, there's SCAD network or kind of shortly called uh, SCAN. Um, and that's kind of a new framework that can be used to measure users uh, anonymously and kind of measure your campaigns without like understanding the exact details of, uh, of these devices. So I think the first response was really um, a bit of a shock by advertisers, like understanding how to really deal with these. It was also early times, so there weren't many tools available to handle these measurements. Uh, obviously, it's been a very high focus for Singular and other kind of players in the mobile measurement ecosystem to provide new tools on top of SCAN network and the other uh, uh, measurement methods uh, out there. Uh, but the first kind of, uh, again, response was to, uh, basically uh, be kind of a bit surprised from the event. And many have actually decreased their iOS spend because of that. We actually saw it in, in our data in which kind of the spend on iOS has decreased throughout 2021 um, uh, because like everyone was trying to adjust to the new ecosystem. Then throughout 2022, and we really saw it kind of in the second half of the year, we saw with the improvements in tools and, and kind of methodologies and really the experience and expertise that started emerging in the, in the market, we saw budgets starting to climb up uh, with iOS now be basically getting to historical levels. So really seeing the data that advertisers became much more equipped and maybe uh, experienced or knowledgeable about how to scale back your campaigns on iOS and feel comfortable with uh, their measurement there. Um, so again, new uh, kind of first response was kind of the shock lowering spend it was it also had like interesting kind of ricochets like for example the cpms like both on ios the cpms uh were kind of increasing very very much because like everyone didn't know how to really optimize on ios so it caused kind of an immediate kind of increase but also on android suddenly the cpms were increasing because a lot of the budgets shifted to android which created more competition there right so 2021 wasn't a good year i would say for kind of the mobile advertisers there but then 2022, things kind of balanced out as with the improvement of, uh, of the tools and with kind of balancing the budgets. And we saw that CPMs are still high compared to, you know, 2019, I would say, but much, much better state than what we saw like uh, a year ago, let's say. Yeah, and I think we can say we, we, we definitely kind of saw that too in the sense of mm -hmm. like the, the level of fluctuation, you know, CPMs climbing up on iOS because essentially targeting reduce so everyone's competing for the same audience and then people piling into android because they don't know what's happening on ios and therefore you know auction well, like you know pricing essentially increased because of supply and demand um so yeah but also kind of interesting that timeline you mentioned there that was essentially two years of yeah. fluctuation right for of sure. people just trying to you know pretty advanced marketers shall we say trying to get their head around what was a you know a seismic shift and pretty complicated one uh, and getting used to this kind of reduction in the visibility and what they're doing yep for sure so with the, that kind of change how should advertisers adapt hmm. so you know there are kind of multiple approaches and kind of uh, how to uh, tackle this but i would say 
from a more operational standpoint, uh, it's, it definitely became clear. I think that was part of the big learning experience throughout last year was that we have to get used to uh, work with these new frameworks. You know, it's a new industry. And, you know, it is what it is, and uh, we all have to uh, adapt. So on iOS, uh, what advertisers did was start adopting SK Network, uh, this, again, new framework uh, that's much more privacy-oriented, um, and, you know, kind of trying it out, experimenting, learning a lot about how it works. At the end of the day, it provides what marketers need in the sense that they can understand how much they're spending and what they're getting in return. But the shift in kind of the technicalities on kind of its limitations and the nuances can be pretty complex to, uh, to understand. Um, so again, us as a mobile measurement partner, part of what we do is really build the tools to leverage uh, SK network kind of in a, in the best way, kind of providing uh, better reporting and better kind of optimization techniques to really configure setup and then kind of see the results based on SK network. And today, I think all the major uh, media channels out there support running campaigns on iOS based on SK network and providing the results. They're kind of integrated with everyone to show you kind of the unified dashboard for SK network. So I guess on iOS, the first uh, recommendation I would. Uh, uh, have for any advertiser who's, who has an iOS app is to uh, learn a bit about the scan network and work with a mobile measurement partner to uh, to start experimenting with it. So essentially, the a level playing field is, is SK Ad Network. That's where everyone's got to got to use and got to got to win on that on that kind of measurement framework, right? And you kind of mentioned a little bit there previously around Scan Four now in. People have just got used to it, right? And now we've got a new one. Yeah. Um, so what are the what are the kind of main things that are coming out in there? And what do you think, I guess, are still the gaps there? Yeah. Wow. So there are many gaps and uh, limitations for sure. But I think the interesting thing is that as time goes by, uh, our platforms are making it harder and harder to track users, uh, again, by device identifiers, just to protect your privacy. And in tandem, they're uh, investing more and more in the new frameworks out there. So SK Network, for example, already got announced and released with the latest version, version 4.0, uh, which already means that Apple basically released already four versions, four versions by now, which is a significant uh, investment. And uh, a lot of the buzz these days in the industry is around the, are the new features that came up with uh, Scan4. And it's really significant. Like they did a pretty huge overall to the framework and added all kinds of features to solve some of the gaps based on feedback from uh, marketers out there. Um, so just as an example, before, Scan didn't support any uh, media channels who had web-based traffic, meaning that if a user clicked an ad uh, in a browser before they got to the App Store, then Scan didn't have that support. They only supported native app-to-app advertisement. That was a huge limitation. Think about you know any traffic coming from browsers. Think about search campaigns. Think about Google search, for example. Obviously, a large portion of the, of the traffic is coming from browsers, and that wasn't supported. So in Scan4, everyone was very excited to hear that now Web2App is going to be supported um, from browsers. So essentially, they provide the ability for websites and publishers on the web to put the scan ad and see exactly how many users came from their ad. So that was big news. There are other things too. There are additional data points that they provide, 
there's additional details on kind of longer windows, longer attribution windows, and longer um, uh, time windows in which you can understand whether your user made a purchase, for example, after 35 days from when they installed the app, something that wasn't possible in previous versions. But it gets kind of, it gets kind of technical, but uh, the point is that uh, Scan4 is a huge, huge improvement from previous versions with many kind of interesting features and a lot in the industry are working these days to kind of adopt it, test it, and uh, scale it. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you brought up the, the the kind of web to app measurement piece. Obviously, that was a huge gap uh, for marketers uh, when they you know advertise across different platforms. Um, that obviously coming in is going to help us plug a bit of that. I guess, is there some complexity around the, the type of web browsers that they'll accept? So is it just, I think it's, it's right in saying it's just Safari to, to app. Uh, so we haven't quite hit, you know, the Firefox, Chrome's and all the rest of the specific browsers. Yeah, so you actually hit it right on the nail. So you're right. Usually with Scan Network, there's usually like good news and bad news. So the good news is definitely web to app support uh, exists now. Bad news is that it only supports Safari at the moment. So browsers like Chrome and Firefox aren't supported yet. You know, to be honest, like on iOS specifically, Safari is still kind of the major browser being used by default by the consumers. Um, but definitely our hope is that in the future, there would be additional support for kind of third party, not non-native browsers uh, for iOS as well, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I guess one of the other things um, that we saw in the industry as well was the ability to do kind of return on investment marketing was obviously severely limited when when iOS came in because you essentially couldn't get a value back. Um, so how, how has that changed with the new scan? Yeah. So actually in scan 2.0, they've added the ability to get kind of the, a certain value back Again, it has various limitations. It kind of limited it to a short time window, as they call it. Uh, and there's like some complicated details there, but kind of a, the simplified version is kind of measured 24 up to 24 hours from when the user first opened the app and then allowed the advertiser to encode what's called the conversion value. And basically a number that represents what's the, again, the, the revenue side, the kind of the, uh, the value of the user from the first open. So kind of in the retail uh, market, for example, a usual kind of practice would be to um, encode or basically assign a conversion value for this user uh, based on whether they made a purchase or uh, how how high was that purchase, for example. And if they did it within the first 24 hours, then the network would get that conversion value back. It's anonymized, so it would be just a number, a specific number between zero and 63. It's very, hard-coded, I would say. And then on an aggregated basis, they could determine um, basically how much value this campaign provided. So that already existed since scan two, but the big limitation was it's only for 24 hours. Like in many cases, users make a significant purchase uh, really longer than after just the first day, right? In many cases, maybe they're kind of reviewing the store, maybe they even added something to cart, but majority of the users don't necessarily even make a purchase after the first day from op- opening the app. So that was a major limitation. And the big news in Scan4 is that now they've increased the time window, again, with some technical details there, but 
But the bottom line is that now you can measure any purchases that happened after up to 35 days from the install, which is a major, major difference. Again, there's the limitations on what, how, how much information you can encode there, but you can still essentially know how many purchases happened, even if they happen after 35 days. Yeah, so we're getting a much more kind of representative view of what are these people actually doing with my app uh, and how is my investment in, in marketing performing? Exactly, exactly. Amazing. So we're kind of going from this place where we had all the data uh, to where we had, you know, not very much data to now we're somewhere <laughs> in the middle where we've got a little bit more. and We've got a little bit of an indication kind of where we're going now. You know, seasoned marketers, shall we say, those that haven't come up in the in the digital age will probably, you know, still remember TV and, and out of home and press. Uh, and obviously there wasn't a lot of measurement there. Um, so is there anything that we can learn from that kind of traditional media landscape who haven't enjoyed kind of personal identifiers you know, in their entire lifetime? Yeah. And, you know, I think it's actually a really interesting phenomenon in the industry because I think you mentioned it earlier, there's a bit of an effect of leveling the playing field because uh, basically traditional media, the ones who were promoting, you know, in like offline advertising, in TV ads, um, they never had the kind of the privilege of using device identifiers in the first place. So suddenly the digital ecosystem, the app-based ecosystem, are kind of looking to the more traditional measurement methodologies to try to compensate for the missing information. That's been really interesting to see. But I'll give you an example. One of the um, traditional methodologies that really existed from like the 60s, basically, is a methodology called media mix modeling. So it's a statistical uh, method, uh, basically creating a model that relies on uh, inputs of how much you're spending or what really are the operations that you're doing in a given time. Um, and seeing the total results that you're seeing, let's say the number of sales, the number of purchases that you're seeing in a given time period. And if you have enough of a historical information and you have some information about seasonality and promotions that you're doing, you can essentially train a model. And there's, of course, a lot of discussion about like AI models these days and a lot of data science. So you can train a model to try to estimate, okay, if your spend is at that portion across all your media channels, across even offline and online, like think about the entire media mix, then what is your expected return on that spend? And even try to calculate the relative portion of uh, uh, each channel, basically. So essentially the attribution from a high-level perspective of each kind of sales portion to each channel. Uh, that's really useful too. That's been traditionally used for things like budget allocation basically understand what's the more optimal mix of your channels and how to kind of balance things between channels. And uh, uh, now these days, definitely with all the privacy changes, but in general, uh, this methodology started kind of emerging again with new technology added. There's more open source frameworks out there that enables uh, users to uh, uh, really build their own models for uh, MMM uh, or media mix modeling. And there's more vendors out there. Like, uh, again, we as a measurement partner, as an example, we have been kind of releasing our own MMM product, which is surf service, meaning that uh, you don't necessarily need to work with the consultants out there to try to kind of build the model and give them all access to your data to try to come up with these reports, but actually kind of serves your product that already gets uh, access to your data and then can provide you kind of the outputs of the 
offline results and online results and how they are combined together. So I think it's a really interesting shift of digital to actually look at the traditional media and see how these can be leveraged to get you know, more strategic kind of uh, um, uh, measurement results. So there we go then, old reliable media mix modeling coming back to the fore to uh, mm-hmm. to help out marketers with kind of how things are happening. And essentially it's about, you know, understanding what went in and then understanding what came out and seeing if there's you know a good correlation between those two things, right? And also around the disruption, right? That's That's a bit of disruption where you've been able to create a new product that's bringing you into different areas of the business as well. So I think, you know, um, quite interesting how the disruption kind of plays out there, I think. For sure. Um, now, obviously, in some parts of the, you know, industry, we've said, you know, there's a level playing field and people have just got to play on that field and we're going to move in the direction. But that's not always the way. Some people try to look for workarounds uh, to try and kind of maintain that, you know, little bit of competitive advantage for as long as possible. And we've we've seen some of those things, right? So people have done fingerprinting, um, which, you know, I'll, I'll let you explain what that is. But mm-hmm. we've also seen things that are probably a little bit more durable, like first party data joins and second party data and then retail media networks as well for, for retailers. So uh, is there a place for those things in, in the new ecosystem, do you think? Yeah, that's a great question. Honestly, there's a lot of debate these days in the industry on you know the place for exactly these. And there are many types of workarounds uh, today and some of them are more uh, I would say robust than others for sure um, but I guess I would say that they're less promoted by the platforms out there kind of by the Android kind of uh, and the iOS and kind of the browsers uh, ecosystems but uh, let me try to break it down for uh, for a second uh, so uh, you know maybe kind of going from last to first so you've mentioned kind of the retail media networks for for example and I think it also connects a bit with kind of the, the first party and second uh, party kind of uh, data uh, joins. So kind of the, the retail media networks are kind of traditionally where you rely on kind of the retail media network. Think about examples like, you know, Amazon, Walmart and such to promote kind of your product. Um, the And it's definitely possible today. You can basically send your audio data to them, promote your product there and rely on their own kind of uh, uh, model conversions to provide you the reporting. Um, and that's definitely a relevant option that many are using. The disadvantage there is it's very uh, black box in a sense, right? You're kind of relying on them to do their own measurement in a sense and kind of trust them to do that. It's also deduplicated, meaning that you're sharing, you're, you're basically trusting both Walmart and Amazon or any of these uh, others to kind of do their thing and uh, without cross-referencing or having much oversight on kind of how it's built. And of course, it doesn't support the entire app ecosystem, which is huge out there. Like everyone who has kind of their own app wants to really um, promote or have distribution with the user behavior wants to also show up in the social channels out there, right? Or the search channels out there, not just be based in the uh, retail promotions. If we think about like a diversified marketing uh, uh, strategy. So that's kind of the retail side. Definitely possible, doable, but um, not a full solution, I would say. Then there's the also the option with uh, sharing first-party data with kind of the media channels to try to get measurement. So the classic example would be if you have kind of signed-in users to your app, basically, then you can 
basically send hashes of their email addresses, for example, or any kind of metadata on the, the, that you're basically getting. So first party data is an example with the media channels, um, such as kind of uh, the search uh, ad networks out there, the social networks and such. Um, and they can use that, like if you think about uh, like uh, Facebook or Google, can use that to join the data and then provide measurement on top of that, which is definitely a possible solution and it's great. The challenge there is again, the fact that um, the data is not uh, uh, not deduplicated and it's kind of contained within the platforms themselves. So many are still kind of using that methodology, but you kind of have to uh, rely on the platforms themselves. Like, each one of the network can kind of provide your own measurement and it's hard to really see a single kind of single source of truth in a sense or a unified view to understand okay how many conversions i got and exactly what's the attributed source for each one which is what the advertisers really used to have in the past before the privacy changes then we're getting to fingerprinting which is i would say is the most debated uh, uh, one uh, i would say so but fingerprinting basically refers to tracking users, even if they essentially didn't give you consent to track them. Um, so the idea is even if they said that they don't allow you to track them, uh, basically uh, you could decide to rely on kind of metadata from the device, create kind of like a fingerprinting ID and try to use that to understand if, uh, you know, there's a good chance that this user actually clicked an ad and then got to your, uh, to your app. Um, now, the advantages might be that it kind of behaves like what everyone used to have two years ago, but it is, there are many disadvantages here. Like the first is that obviously there's some kind of level of uh, how do you regard your users? If the user actually asks you not to track them, do you feel that is it okay to uh, create like a fingerprinted idea and try to use that instead to track that user? So there's some some of like the internal policies for many companies who kind of tell them that, you know, it's not uh, allowed. Uh, then, of course, the second piece is that many of the large channels out there don't support fingerprinting because, again, they it's also important for them to protect the user privacy. Uh, and lastly, uh, there's uh, in the platform's kind of licenses and developer kind of agreements, uh, they basically say pretty black and white, it's not allowed to fingerprint users without kind of their consent. And, uh, you're only allowed to track users if they really gave you consent to track them with the formal official identifiers, I would say. So just to kind of summarize, I would say that, uh, uh, you know, each one of these are definitely possible solutions from a technical perspective. Um, I would say that first-party data is the more um, uh, robust one among these, but definitely the frameworks that are being invested in by the platforms are more of like SK Network, Privacy Sandbox, uh, and there's like new technologies around media mix modeling, which I think all of these are more focused on providing kind of a single unified view of our campaigns. Okay, yeah. So then, what was what I'm hearing then is fingerprinting, bit of a dark art. Uh, so maybe some potential legal implications that you might not want to be part of, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then retail media networks, first party data joins have some use, probably you know a good directional tool, but have limits to scale. Uh, probably, yep. um, and yeah, probably give you some kind of directional optimization, but probably wouldn't want to use it for your ultimate business intelligence, right? Exactly. Okay, so what's the biggest mistake advertisers make on measurement for apps? Hmm. Oh, wow. So, you know, I think uh, 
one of the mistakes that's already painful to see are when advertisers kind of say, you know what, this is like too much for me. I'm just not going to measure my campaigns. <laughs> I would say like that's the biggest uh, mistake they're kind of uh, doing because like to be honest, it can feel pretty overwhelming to kind of hear about all these kind of technologies and acronyms and all that. And they can might be a bit scared to kind of say, yeah, I'm just going to spend some money and I'll see kind of my total results and hope that things would be uh, uh, would be okay. Now, it might work in a very low-scale budget, right? If you're a very small advertiser, you're only spending in one channel, for example, and you see kind of the increase, you can definitely rely on your blended performance to understand, okay, the overall trend. But if you're trying to scale, if you're trying to be, you know, kind of get an edge on the market, get a competitive advantage, and it's always a competitive market, of course, for the user kind of engagement, then there's so many tools out there to, uh, to provide you more information on your performance. So uh, even though the initial kind of uh, feeling might be that this is too much, um, and we said that there, again, there are partners to help there. Um, like obviously, we're coming from a biased view, and we're always happy to help any kind of advertiser with uh, apps. But there, there's a huge ecosystem of consultants and vendors out there who are happy to make things simpler for you. At least try, start. You're already spending. Maybe try to, to see your performance. Even if it's like using scary kind of acronyms like scanner or privacy sandbox and such, they do provide a lot of really relevant and insightful information. So I would say kind of that's the first part. Um, then kind of if I look, okay, so someone who's actually starting to use scan or, or some of these methodologies, then what's kind of the next uh, big mistake is, um, you know, there's uh, probably uh, like a long list that I can imagine, but uh, uh, I would say, uh, there's sometimes a tendency to also overcomplicate things. Um, and uh, I think my best recommendation would be to start simple. Start by trying to analyze the performance of how many installs you got from your campaigns on app. Because again, you might kind of be thinking about like the website and kind of how many conversions you got already. And things behave a bit differently in the app ecosystem. So it's saying by start by looking at your campaigns, how many installs you got, what are the initial actions that those users did, how many registrations they got whether they actually made a purchase or not, and then kind of move on and iterate towards the more advanced things, like exactly what's the value of each user and how much you're uh, uh, actually operating and the ROI of your performance. So there's basically levers that you can use and layers to uh, become more and more advanced. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I, I definitely kind of have seen for sure kind of what you were saying before around it's so complicated that should I even bother you know that, that has that has been uh you know something that comes up but I think what's really kind of interesting about that is the consumer behavior is so clear right mm -hmm. that they just prefer to use apps they convert better in apps they get you know they spend more within the apps and um, so like I kind of liken it to a bit of a party right you know if you could get into a party it was like easy to get into it's probably not a very good party right but if you were struggling yeah. to get in and you know you had to climb over the back fence it's probably amazing you know Brad Pitt's probably yeah. in there so yeah. this is the party that you want to get into um and you know we, we've seen that kind of time and time again where particularly in retail where people kind of lean in and they go out first yeah that it's just like this gold rush rocket ship right like we've we've yeah. seen like Shein, we've seen kind of vintage and depop and you know all these kind of retailers just really take off when they lean lean into apps so I, I definitely think the 
the barrier to entry is kind of worth it, right? It's worth it's kind of worth getting into. I'd say also kind of like one of the things you know I've observed is is not measuring on frequency of mm-hmm. purchase. Mm-hmm. So you know when we try and compare, you know, if you're a retailer today and you're you're kind of looking across web, for example, the the average order values might be fairly similar. Right, someone doesn't just always automatically just spend more because they're in your app, but they will come back more often. There's yeah. that kind of like uh, you know, that user behavior of just seeing it on your phone almost makes you want to access it more often, right? So um, that's where the real kind of value starts to starts to separate from web and this, you know, purchasing more frequently. Um, I think that's kind of a key a key gap as well. Yeah, completely agree. And I say it time and time and again, anyone who was trying to kind of compare between kind of the user engagement on the website and the app they've developed, like obviously it requires some investment to get in, but the differences can be massive. And we've seen many companies who start with an app strategy and then they shifted more and more of their resources to really focus on there because they saw that the long-term value of these users is much, much higher. And the type of engagement that they can create for these users, the type of user experience is just much more meaningful there. So I completely agree with everything you're saying. Great. Well, that's actually all we have time for today. Uh, so thanks for joining us on this episode of What's Happening with our special guest, Aaron. Lovely answers from you there. Thank you so much for coming along. Of course. Um, yeah, happy to uh, be here. And uh, thank you for inviting me again. So if any of you would like to hear more on this topic, we've got some uh, content from Google Ads on now. I'll try to link that in the description or obviously reach out to, to partners like Aaron and his, and his company, Singular. Um, we've got more of your app questions answered in our next episode. So if you're curious about how to succeed in apps, uh, be sure to tune in.